Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God wants us to know him. This evening, we pause to marvel that the creator of everything longs us, longs for us to know him. Find a place outside the city lights on a clear night and scan the sky, count the stars. They're innumerable, but they are but a speck compared to all of the stars in the universe. It's estimated that there are 100 billion stars in a galaxy and 2 trillion galaxies. The Lord who spoke and brought these into existence wants us to know him. We would marvel if the most adulated celebrity or the most revered leader wanted us to know them personally, how much infinitely greater is that the majestic Lord of the universe wants us to know him. Let's pray. Father, visit us this evening in a special way. Meet each of us precisely where we are to draw us to Bethlehem, to understand this great thing we celebrate this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Over the course of human history, God made himself known a step at a time. He revealed himself through creation, as the psalmist wrote, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Look upwards into the expanse of the heavens and downward into the depths of subatomic particles, and we behold God's power, his sovereignty, and his wisdom. Gaze upon a sunset or examine a flower. See his artistry, his infinite care, his glory. While we see a multitude of divine attributes in creation, they only offer a glimpse of God. God wanted us to see him more clearly, so he physically manifested himself time and again in the Old Testament in what are called theophanies. They gave us indications of his holiness, faithfulness, comfort, protection, and guidance. Longing for us to know him more fully, he spoke through the prophets. As the opening verse of Hebrews says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Prophets brought us the word of God 
and revealed more of his character and nature. He communicated to them in a variety of ways, visions, dreams, audible voices, or angels. But these agents of communication were infinitely inferior to what was to come. Verse 2, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. In the 1950s, there was a television show which opened with two lines sketching the outline of the host. And many people could guess who that host was. But soon after, a shadow filled in that sketch. And people were more certain as to who it was. And then the host himself appeared visibly. And they saw him for precisely who he was. That was the order of God's revelation. Creation was like a sketch of an outline to see God. And then the prophets and the theophanies filled it in, but they were still a shadow of who God is. But then God appeared in the person of Jesus Christ, as Hebrews says. He is the radiance of the glory of God the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Shepherds saw a sliver of God's glory when it filled the sky on the day of Jesus' birth. This reflected glory was enough to overwhelm and disarm them. The glory that Jesus manifests is far beyond the glory displayed in that nativity scene. Jesus radiated God's glory when he walked the earth. Not blinding us with the glory of physical life, but overwhelming us with the glory of the spiritual light that is cut through the darkness of this world. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. He is the full and perfect image and representation of God himself. Those who saw Jesus saw God. Because God is the exact expression of, Jesus is the exact expression of God's essence, attributes, and character. So that all that God is, Jesus is. As John wrote, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. God wants us to know him. So on Christmas Day, the eternal God entered time and space, clothed himself with humanity, and took on himself the limitations of a human body. He radiated the glory of God in a way that our galaxy never could and our prophets could never describe. It's only when God became human that we could see him in the fullness of his glory. It's only when he lived among us that we could begin to fathom the wonder, the beauty, and the extent of his attributes. This evening, we want to look at just two of those attributes, his humility and his love. How could we ever grasp the humility of a transcendent God 
unless he robed his glory in humanity and became like us. It's unimaginable that a deity would take on flesh, but God did. It's incomprehensible that the Lord of the cosmos would enter our world as a vulnerable and dependent infant, gasping for his first breath, wrapped in swaddling clothes for warmth and security, nourished by his mother's milk, carried in his father's arm and protected by earthly parents. But he did. Though he entered the world as we all do as an infant, his birthplace was vastly different. He was born in a stable. If we were God's counselors, we would say, enough. He's the king of kings. He should be born in a palace, sleeping in a royal bed, attended by royal servants not in a stable, laid in a manger, surrounded by beasts of the field. But we set our eyes on earthly things. God set his eyes on us. He wants us to know him and to see that humility is at the center of his nature a humility that would lead him to the cross. The stable and the cross are bookends of the self-effacing life he lived. Bishop Fulton Sheen wrote, the manger and the cross stand at the two extremities of the Savior's life. He accepted the manger because there is no room in the inn. He accepted the cross because there was no room in our hearts. Disowned upon entering, rejected upon leaving, he was laid in a stranger's stable at the beginning, in a stranger's grave at the end. He was wrapped in swaddling bands in his birthplace. He was again laid in swaddling clothes in his tomb clothes, symbolic of the limitations imposed on his divinity when he took on human form. Words alone cannot show us the magnitude of his humility. We needed God among us to realize it. How could we ever understand his immeasurable love apart from witnessing the shocking price he would pay for us? You know, we hear an echo of this at his birth. An angel appeared and declared, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Lord God was born in Bethlehem. He came as Christ, the King and Savior. Savior. Little did the shepherds know what love it would take for Jesus to be Savior. Little could we imagine what depth of love it would entail for him to be our Savior. The Magi came to worship him with gifts of gold fit for a king, frankincense to honor a deity, and myrrh, a burial spice, 
a curious gift to give an infant. But it was a sign of why he would come. He would come to die, to pay the price for us, to be our Savior. God demonstrates his love for us that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. We can see signs of God's love in sprinkled throughout creation. We could hear declarations of his love from the prophets, but we needed God with us as Savior to begin to comprehend the incomprehensible, limitless, enduring, endless magnitude of his love. We needed God among us to know the extent to which God would go so that we might become his children. The incarnation enables us to know what God is like on a level we could not begin to fathom in any other way. That knowledge of God is conveyed through the one who is the exact imprint of God's nature, Jesus. God wants us to know him, not just to know about him. Jesus came to bring us eternal life, and he prayed, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Jesus came so that we might know him personally, that we might know God the Father and God the Son and be in a relationship that will last forever. That's the essence of Christmas. The angel who visited the shepherds announced, there has been born for you a Savior. This evening... We can step back and we can marvel at the scene of the glory filling the skies as the angels proclaim the birth of Christ. And we can look at it from a distance. Or we can personally enter into that scene and take it to heart. For you, for you, a Savior has been born so that you that you might know him. Make this Christmas personal. God did. Let's pray. Our Father, we are overwhelmed by the reality that you came for us so that we might know you. Lord, may your spirit Speak to each one of us tonight where we are on your journey that we might make Christmas personal. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.